Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Comedian's Tea Party with Cy Deves. And in this episode, I have got the absolutely lovely Math Brown. If you don't know who he is, he was recently on Mock the Week, which you can hear us talk about. And he also created and runs the comedy club Outside the Box, which, and I'm not just saying this because I like that he books me occasionally and think that he should book me more. Genuinely a brilliant gig, really, really lovely gig, and it's always got incredible lineups. So, well worth going to check out Outside the Box comedy clubs and go and check out his comedy as well. Very funny man, very lovely guy. Go and watch his episode of Mock the Week. Be warned, as you get into this, there is some bad language. So, if you're upset by that, stop being upset by it or stop listening now. Or just whenever you hear that, do an internal beep in your head, you know, like, you, like you'd like you hear on TV. So imagine that there's a beep, beeping it out, and then beep it, do the beep. So I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I was intending to sort of try and release these every two weeks. I've been super, super busy. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for coming back and listening. And thank you for sending this to all of your friends to tell them to listen in the future and immediately. I have got some exciting things coming up, though, in regards to why I've been busy. So keep your eye out. But also, it turns out if you have a, a very, very young kitten, which generally kittens are quite young because, you know, they're kittens. It, it turns out it can massively elongate the amount of time it takes to edit a podcast because I have to keep getting up to stop her from climbing the curtains or the blinds or pulling bits out of my leg. But I love her and I wouldn't change it for the world. Now, this is a really, really great conversation. I really enjoyed it a great deal. And listening back to it was brilliant. There's loads of sort of really great insight from math. We talk about comedy and the industry at the minute, but in sort of, you know, quite a quite a positive way. And we talk about the importance of telling people what you want and asking for asking for what you want, basically, because it's the old adage of if you don't ask, you don't get. And that is absolutely true as is proven by math as you'll discover as you listen to this episode there's a little bit where i start talking about a map of words which doesn't really make sense but i i did look it up and and you may have seen it being used before but it apparently it's called a tag cloud which tells you the regularity with which words and phrases are used in certain pieces of information so if you don't know what a tag cloud is or you don't know what i'm talking about just go and google tag cloud and uh, and that'll that's all tell you. We're also talking about local comedians from around here. There's there's loads. There are genuinely loads. There's an actor whose name I can't remember. His name is Tony Way, and I really want to get him on the podcast at some point. And Lee Evans turns out he was he was actually born in Bristol, but he lived near here. So that's you know sort of the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to claim him as our own from Essex. Although thinking about it, his accent doesn't make sense. But you know. Whatever. He's a very lovely guy. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on here before, but a conversation with him is basically why I started comedy and had the confidence to give it a go. So thank you, Lee Evans. Also, at one point, I do an impression of Paul Foot, which in an audio context that does not make sense. So I would advise that you go and watch the alternative comedy experience, which you can find on Now TV or probably YouTube. Go and check that out. I'm not being sponsored by it either of those people so i i just i just say do do your own work do your own research go and find that and there are a couple of notification sounds that come up during this i've got a i've got a new laptop uh, that i've only had for a, a couple of episodes now and sort of still finding the foibles with it turns out 
is it works similarly to the other one, but for some reason this one creates notification sounds when they go off. So I've, I've fixed that now, but it does happen during the episode. So if you're upset by that, get some perspective. There's worse things happening. <laughs> That's quite a dark way to end the intro, but it is the end of the intro nonetheless. So... I'll see you at the end with a couple of plugs and that sort of thing. Oh, by the way, if you, you do think that I'm taking too long to edit these, then why don't you pop on over to ko-fi.com, ko-fi.com forward slash sideeves and send me a bit of money and I can pay an editor to do it. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be able to put these out sort of weekly or maybe bi-weekly, but I just won't have to do it and it'll get done quicker and more efficiently. And then I can concentrate on getting bigger acts because I've been talking to a lot of agents recently and it turns out when you talk to agents to try and get bigger acts that they ask what fee you can pay them and I haven't got any money so I can't pay them any fees so if you want to get like you know huge big name acts on the podcast and have me talking to them and have have some enjoyable content and I'll give you a shout out and I'll I'll say all sorts in fact if you pay me to get you know some particular comedians in and you want me to get them to give you a shout out you let me know, and I'll, I'll see what I can do. I already got Matthew Crosby to talk my wife into buying a cat, so I can work miracles. In the meantime, go and enjoy the podcast, and I'll see you at the end with some plugs and links. Hello. Hey, mate. How you doing? How you doing? Yeah, good. Right, there's going to be the odd interruption from my cat. I will <laughs> warn Don't you about the... Uh... Yeah, totally understand. I'm just waiting for a big delivery as well, so I might have to nip out at, oh, cool. at, uh, at some point. Yeah, I'm waiting for a delivery of some pens, so very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, a, a much of this is going to stay in. This is We've already started recording. Good. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it to be raw and fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, my, that's my style. Cool. It appears to be recording. So, right, normally I forget to yep. do the intro until quite far in. So I'm just going to do it now. Sure. Like a, like a pro. So, hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Comedian's Tea Party with Sideeves, with me, Sideeves. And this week my guest is Maff Brown. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, good. I've only just realised it's Deeves. I thought it was Davis. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I get that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. I get Matt a lot as well, so it's oh, one dear. of those annoying things. Yeah. It's, so, uh, I was wondering about that. Is your name actually Math? It's Matthew. Right. Um, but basically what happens, I, I've got an older brother by two years and he couldn't say Matthew and he used to say Mafu. Oh, okay. And it just changed to Math, M-A-F-F. And it's actually the Welsh shortened version of Matthew. Matt. Oh, is it? There's quite, there's quite a few maths in Wales, apparently. But um, yeah, it's, uh, that's not really a showbiz story, but that's oh, about no. as good as it gets. I thought it was going to be like an equity thing. Like there's another... <laughs> no, it was, do you know, it was very close to, I was. I did um, Heels Jago's Amuse Moose course. Oh yeah. And my email has always been Math Brown, but I've, just before I went into comedy, I was in football and it was, football's very much, you have to have an IE or a Y at the end of the name. Right. You know, Brownie or Matty. And Maffy just didn't quite fit in football. So it was, it came, I was Matt for a long time, for about 10 years in professional football. Right, okay. And then my, but my email address has always been Math Brown. And then uh, he always just called me Math and it just stuck as my sort of comedian's name. Nice. Oh, that's cool. Oh, I like your mug. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a Christmas present for my stepdaughter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Says the boss on it. Very good. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you get uh, the, the selfie with that one. That'll go, yeah, sure. That'll go on Instagram and seen by, you know, upwards of five people. <laughs> Christ alive, my cat is playing with the audio interface at this point. Yeah, that's normally the case. Yeah. I've had to lock my dog out for the same reason. She bit immediately halfway through some of my headphones the other day, which was nice. Ugh, so how frustrating. Yeah. So now I've got these ones, which are more expensive and frightening for her. To, <laughs> it's, she'll be fine. Yeah. Right, stop it. F*** off. I love you, but f*** off. <laughs> uh, Nathan Caton wrote a very similar poem about his girlfriend, Yes, yeah, he did it. Do you know, first time he ever did it was on one of our Zoom gigs. Was it? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I had him on, like, sort of middle of last year, I think, and he was telling me about, about that. Uh, what was it called? I love you, but can you fuck off now? Yep. Yeah. That's it, yeah. And he absolutely smashed it, and all of a sudden he realised he had a hit on his hand. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Have, you, uh, have you ever done any sort of poetry? Do you know, funny you say that because I used to have a podcast myself called Jack Fight Club, which started off as a sort of an idea of just trying to generate material. And then because it was hosted, hosted at my little gig in Kingston every Monday and part of it, one of the rounds was write a poem. Right. And I really enjoyed it. I never, was never really any good at it, but um, I really enjoyed doing it. And it was very interesting to see which comedians had it in their locker as well. Oh, okay. Like Mickey, Mickey D was phenomenal. And obviously Alexis Dubas, yeah, um, yeah. anybody that's got sort of some sort of musical rhythm to them as well was yeah. really, really good at it. But no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I haven't done it since, but that, that podcast was so much work for me. So every week I, I literally had to write a panel show's worth of jokes. <laughs> and, Jesus. you know, and everyone that was coming to do it, would only come and do it once, so they'd just come and bring their best stuff. So yeah. it just looked like I was dying on my ass every week. <laughs> so 25 weeks in a row, I just went, this is brutal. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, fair play. That's uh, that's where you need to start employing writers, but then you start. There's a whole other stigma to that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was going to ask, actually, I don't, I don't normally come prepared with questions because I'm not that kind of guy. Because <laughs> you were on Mock the Week at the tail end of last year. Mm-hmm. Was that, t- that was the tail end of last year, wasn't it? December, yeah, December second, yeah. I think, yeah. Nice. And but before that, you were were you a warm up on that? I've actually been involved with the show for about ten years, to be honest with you. Have so you? I used to write for one of the regular panelists who's not there anymore, and that starts again. That all started from my little gig in Kingston, and he used to come down and try out the jokes, and I just started passing them a few, and eventually he said, "Would you want to write for some this week?" And then that developed into writing for him every week, and I did that for about seven years. I think I've done a warm up for the last three and a half years, maybe three years. Oh, nice. And it's always been a case where they've sort of said to you, look, if something happens on the day, you're going on. And it's nearly happened two or three times. And this time they, they'd phoned me before the beginning of uh, the recording because obviously COVID was a situation. They said, right. chances are it's definitely going to happen this time. So, you know. Nice. Get ready for it, yeah, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. yeah, and it's still, I'm still sort of on hold. I mean, the good thing is it, it went really well and they've promised me an actual show without being on standby. So that's, that's <laughs> no, something to look forward to eventually yeah. after 10 years. <laughs> so um, like now that you've done it, w- would you go back to uh, doing warm-up? The warm-up's really fun, actually. So uh, very rare. I've cut a lot of warm-up out. I used to do loads and loads and loads of it. And now I only do Mock the Week or if it's a show that I want to sort of work on, if you yeah. know what I mean. Um, so, because I used to, I mean, I was an absolute whore for it. So I did loose women for four years. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And it, I mean, it's very, it's very difficult to take down. It's like, you know, 36, 40 grand a year, depending on how many episodes you do. Good grief. Um, nice. And it's not, it wasn't hard work. It was just... And it was daytime, so it meant you could gig in the evening as well. So it's really useful. Yeah. Um, but it does mean you sort of get fat off the land a little bit and your creativity starts to 
wander because you're not hungry for the next level. Yeah, you know? that's it, so yeah. It's, eventually I sort of made the decision. Went right, no more warm up unless it's uh, it was not the week and uh, have I got news for you basically? Yeah. So um, yeah, I don't do any others apart from that now. Oh, nice. Where it's yeah. See, that's uh, I've I've kept myself consistently unsuccessful, so I'm I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's. I think do you know in a way it's kind of a better route. And Terry Alderson was saying the same thing to me age and age and age ago. It, well, I didn't have a day job anyway, but he said, don't give up the day job because then you are you can do what you want to do, you know, not yeah. what the industry thinks you should do. And it was a very interesting way to look at it because that's how his career has gone. You know, eventually he was he was quite mainstream and then he went, don't want to do this anymore, did what he wanted to do and got to the top. Um, it's peerless. It's absolutely brilliant. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, he he's actually from the same town as me. Oh, right. Yeah, South End. To, yeah, like Rutchford, like specifically. Right. Yeah. He used to live yeah, around the corner cool. to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something about that sort of excited me. The, the idea that uh, successful people can come from where I'm from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm from Staines. So oh, okay. the only people that came out of Staines, I think, were Bobby Davro. I think uh, a TV presenter called Tommy as well. And I think that was it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm technically, oh, John, who was on Big Brother, uh, Big Brother 4 or something. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure that counts. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there's actually quite a few people come out of Southend. Like mm. uh, uh, Terry Alderton for one, and mm-hmm. Jamie Cullum was from around here. Oh, right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, like Matthew Bainton from uh, yeah, sort of yeah. Ghost and that. And who else? There's a long list of them. There's so, there's a guy whose name I always forget, but whenever I see him on TV, I'm like, he's from where, where I'm from. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Riley as well. She's from uh, Dunham. Yeah, right. It's yeah. quite a hotbed. I tell you one thing. I my first residency as a compare stand up uh, was in Southend for oh, Smashy. And his little his son's taking over a little smash. Yeah, and it he, was he a lives, really hard work. Sorry, what was going to say? Oh, sorry, I was just saying. Uh, little smash lives uh, literally a three minute walk from my house. Well, there you go. Yeah. And he's a, he's an absolute legend. They all are. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big guy. Smash was the first person who employed me. But yeah, every other week I was comparing in South End, and you, <laughs> they're very funny, sharp people in South End. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that I think that was the first sort of comedy club that I went to actually. Uh, right. was well it wasn't Funny his bunnies. it was um Ross's and Matt Adlington's yeah uh, who yeah who lives down the road from who's uh, my best man actually so um yeah, well, yeah it's, a, it's quite a close-knit little group but it's quite funny I didn't know any of them until I started comedy but like I was friends with Matt's brother but I'm now sort of closer friends with Matt but I just happened to do a gig in sort of, like a terrible terrible open mic and Matt came up to me afterwards and was like oh you're good but you're from where I'm from recognize your name like oh Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Do you want to share a lift home? Like, yeah, okay. Now we're, <laughs> and now we're here. So, yeah. He That's got... cool. Yeah, he's a good lad. He was it, mine, mine and Nathan Caton's very first Edinburgh. We shared half an hour each, and Matt oh, nice. was friends with Nathan, so he was hanging about with us for a bit. And well, yeah. I think we ended up getting him in the show for a, for a little bit. Oh, really? We hid, hid him behind a black curtain and pretended that we forgot that he was there. <laughs> so, halfway through, <laughs> we were just being around. Oh, <laughs> it was, nice. you know, we didn't know what we were doing. It was <laughs> yeah. quite new. That's the best kind of Edinburgh show, I think. I mean, that's the yeah. that's the spirit of what the Edinburgh should be, really, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I think, and the first three solos, I put so much pressure on it because you yeah. you get told it's make or break. And the first, my first solo went up with Phil McIntyre, and I did the Pleasants, and you know they're, they're playing like plowing thirty grand into your career, yeah. and it, it just feel it wasn't enjoyable. It was just like, well, I'm not doing what I want to do here. I'm doing what you want me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that because that my first show was awful. So it was, I wasn't ready for it. I'd only gone four years, and I'd wrote written a whole hour just specifically for it about yeah. quite a sensitive subject, and it was a, it was terrible. Yeah, 
But then once I got through the first three, and then in 2012, I took a little sketch group up. But I'd, I'd just written all the sketches and got my mates in it, basically. And it was the best fun I've ever had in my life. It was just a month of pure joy and mucking about and changing the script each day, but then ad-libbing as well. And it was, it, we sort of had, we went to the Gilded Balloon. We just sort of went, well, let's just do what we want to do. Who cares if anyone else likes it? Yeah, you know, and it was it was my, probably my most successful Edinburgh, you know, in terms of stars wise, and uh, I think we got recommended as top ten things to see in GQ, and it was oh nice. I think you know that sort of element of well they're having fun, so we're going to have fun as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Element that came across to the show. Yeah, loved it. Oh, my cat again. Just uh, if you want to say no way, cat's back. Roisin. <laughs> She's got to look at someone's delivering a parcel. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. handy. Is that for you? Don't, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're just knocking and walking away. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, <laughs> right, what was I going to say? Uh, we're talking about Edinburgh. I've completely forgotten. Sorry, my cat. Don't worry, mate. Completely... Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do it till 12 o'clock. It's perfectly fine. We yeah. like that all you like. This conversation is quite fluid anyway. It's the way it tends to go. Uh, so, right, Edinburgh. You went to Edinburgh. Yeah, we've, we've all been to Edinburgh. It's, uh, I like it. It's, uh... Did you Have you done a solo show? I yes I have uh, I've written two fully so the second one I took to Leicester and it was mm. better than the first one and the first one was good I really enjoyed it actually but the second I just remember what I was going to say I'll come back to that in a second so yeah the second one uh, was good but I didn't get that to Edinburgh so I think it was I think it was that year I was sort of buying a house with my then girlfriend now wife and mm-hmm. uh yeah, and then the following year we were saving for a wedding, which then sort of led to last year, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good, mate. Uh, to be honest with you, I've probably thrown, I reckon over the years, a hundred thousand pounds at Edinburgh. Yeah, so, you know, because the first two or three, like I so said, the first one I didn't pay for, the next two I went big, and just it's such a waste of money. Yeah, such a waste of money. You're either going to be discovered or you're not. You don't need to spend, you know. 10 grand on PR and marketing. Yeah, that's totally it. a waste of time. I know a few people who've done sort of quite well out of going fairly low key, like Tom Mayhew. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Like he took his show up and that was sort of quite a personal show, but because of the angle that he's coming at it from, from the sort of the working class, like telling his, uh, like I, Tom Matthew, was what it was called. So he's telling his sort of like Daniel Johns. Uh, mm. What's the film called? It wasn't that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's called Dave Johns is the bloke that played yeah, it, isn't it? Da- Daniel yeah, Blake. Da- is Daniel it? Blake, that's it. I mixed the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's his version of that. So that sort of got quite a lot of uh, like press coverage and that sort of thing and was sort of and now he's got his show on Radio Four, it's doing really well. So Yeah, that's yeah. it. And he can be. Nick Helm was the same. Nick Helm was doing a five pound fringe on his first one and everyone went, My God, this is amazing. Next thing you knew, he was in the Pleasance and then, you know, on the telly. So it yeah. it can happen. It's just, uh, I think Andrew Maxwell put it in a really nice way by saying, every year one comedian escapes. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I can totally understand what he means by that, but to the general public, it, it won't make much sense, but it just means you don't have to do bloody Edinburgh anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, get, you get your break and you get on telly and you don't have to do Edinburgh anymore. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it is fun. I'm looking forward to going again. I'm looking forward to anything again, to be honest with you, but I'm looking forward to um, going up. You know, so I've been going... 15 years now and it's still I still don't know what I'm doing in terms of an Edinburgh show <laughs> yeah you know I really don't honestly it'd just be I've tried, I've tried so many different various methods of, of writing one and I think all I'm good at is telling jokes really jokes and stories and it's just a question of just having them all you don't necessarily have to have a load of callbacks at the end you don't yeah. have to have that 40 minute mark you just got to feel free to do what you want to do and to just yeah just provide it comes from the heart I mean I've watched so many Edinburgh shows of friends and of mine 
and you sort of go, well, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That story definitely didn't happen. You know, because yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see in a club, you can get away with that because they're giggling and laughing anyway. And it's, you know, it's a yeah. 20 minute hit of, of you. Just being silly. Whereas if they're staying an hour, you've got to keep their attention and, and, and keep it real. So it's, it's, as soon as you lighten, they can tell that you're lying and they sort of lose a little bit of heart into the show. Really. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main, only things I think I've learned over doing them. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I mean, like I say, I mean, I, I started writing a third show as well. Like, yeah, from that, I've sort of, I've come to realise that it is that, it is, it is, you, you can do sort of whatever you want, really, in a 20-minute set, and it's sort of quite quite freeing in that sense. Uh, but then, I, I really like writing shows, not that I've done sort of much of it, but uh, I, I enjoy the process, and I've got sort of a method of just sticking uh, post-it notes on a big board, and then realising sort of how they link up, and like how, how different bits could sort of relate to different bits and then I'll put other bits in reserve and then one day I'll sort of write another bit that will fit in with another. And yeah, it's like a sort of a jigsaw just coming together and going, oh, it turns out there's an arc to this. And then, yeah, it's quite, I find it quite a sort of, because it is that, like, I really like the sort of the mathematics of it, of going, this bit fits here, this bit fits here, this bit fits here, uh, these bits are linked by this. And then, yeah, it's just sort of a puzzle that pieces itself together. Mm, yeah, I read a screen, how to write a screenplay book, oh, okay. or how to how to write a film as well, and it was you know the three act process, which I just didn't really understand what that was when I first started comedy, you know. But just basically what you just explained there, it's, it's got an arc, it's got a start, it's got a beginning, it's got an end. Yeah, and it's that's I think now if I was to, to write a show, that's how I would try and c- consider making a story completely, make the story first, and then put the jokes in second. But, yeah. Um, I think now I'd have a better understanding of keeping someone's attention for an hour. Yeah. You know, you still, still got to make it funny, haven't you? But you got to, you know, yeah. do the three, to have a look at the three-act play if you think about writing one as well in that respect, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because I'm working on a sitcom at a minute and cool. I've had a sort of a few different bits of advice sort of here and there and some people have said, oh, you want to do, like, do, do you know Mike Shear? Know the name, um, yeah. He, a Canadian guy. He's, uh, he's yeah. very good, lovely guy. But he... He, he was telling me sort of like with each issue that you bring up, it wants to have uh, a beginning, middle and end to each issue. And then sort of, right. th- but on the whole, the whole thing's got uh, a beginning, middle and end as well. So yeah. And it's got a, like, it wants to be a, a, a certain type of issue that you're sort of bringing up as well. But then uh, like I was, I saw someone, there was a, a thing, what, what do they call it? Where there's like, they, they do the diagram of uh, how many times a certain type of advice comes up. Or like a certain oh, right. word. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like that sort of the mind. No, I don't know. Not heard of that. There's a name for it where, and they do it on like House of Games, where it, they've got like different size words depending how important the word is according to the film. Right. Uh, so I'm just, it just sounds like babble now. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, there was a thing that someone had posted up the other day that was about like screenwriting, and, yeah. and the amount of times it was someone had read 300 scripts and they'd they'd counted how many times they'd made specific ver- variants of notes and right. there was one of them that came up like the third amount of most of times saying that the issues weren't relevant enough and they weren't sort of important but then uh, this was a, a very roundabout way of getting to uh, <laughs> get into a, a single point was that things like Seinfeld where there were sitcoms about nothing like if, if someone I just imagine, like, if someone went to the BBC and said, "Oh, yeah, I want to write a, a, an episode of a sitcom about someone who can't get soup," they're like, "Fuck off." That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different world from when Seinfeld was first made. But, yeah. Um, but again, I think that's if you 
if you enjoy their company, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Like there's a new sitcom on, the, I think it's on Fox, and it's two people that have been in Saturday Night Live and they've been in films. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about, they basically they're city dwellers and they moved, they buy a farm and they go and become farmers, right. you know, in a rural place. It's a rural life, I think that's what it's called. And you think, so fucking what? <laughs> so what? <laughs> yeah. You know, this is... It's not. It's not important. But obviously, like you say, the way that's been pictured is okay. Where's it going to be set, and what's the setting? Great. Yeah. That's great. As opposed to you, just write what you want to write. Yeah, that's it. Because like what I'm working on at the minute is it's basically just about sort of buying a house and yeah, sort of the you know the the process of discovering where you live and your neighbours and that sort of thing, which is essentially nothing. But it's the it, it, it's the sort of the, the, the drive on the relationship and sort of the, the foibles that everyone can recognise. Uh, it's relatable as well. Yeah. Most people, if you, even if you don't buy a house, you still move to a different area, you move to a new house. And Absolutely, you're still, yeah. you're still with your partner. So it's, and it still makes a big difference in that respect because it's it's something that everybody can do, but yeah. not everybody has bought a farm and moved to the <laughs> middle of America. No, that is so, uh, niche. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, I, would, I remember what I was going to say earlier about yeah. when you were saying about you did your first show with Phil McIntyre and mm. ended up doing what he wanted to do. Because Russell Kane, obviously, like he's also from down the road from me. So mm. there's another example. And Lee Evans. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot, yeah, yeah. a lot of people come out of this area that have done really well, which is really cool. And uh, obviously, yeah, Russell Kane started with Smashy as well. Uh, he started yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, he Russell was about two or three years above me in comedy years. If yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, we was related to your year at school, don't we? But yeah, he was yeah. like two or three years above me at school in comedy years. And he was living in Clapham. Oh, okay. At the time, and then moved back to South End, and then told Smash he was in in the area, and then I pretty much got the sack <laughs> as a resident host, and Russell took over. Oh, I'm sorry to have brought you up because Russell was phenomenal, <laughs> but then it was uh, you know, but, but without their help, I wouldn't have been able to get where I got to. So yeah, but um, yeah, they've done it, it, they've done good stuff for many careers. Well, Ross always says his sort of claim to fame, as it were, is that he told Mickey Flanagan to to do uh, out out. And he was like, oh, no, I've dropped, uh, he said, I've dropped that bit. And he was like, no, no, do it. Like the crowd love it. And he's like, oh, right, I'll do it tonight. And then, yeah, and then he brought, brought that back in. And now it's what yeah. it is. Oh, Mickey was Mickey was always phenomenal. So yeah. his 20 minutes was untouchable. And you couldn't follow him either. He was so brilliant at it. And it was so um, joyful to watch. Again, it's one of those ones that you come out and you'll watch again and again and again. Yeah. Because it's one of those, it's almost rhythmical. It's almost like yeah. a song, isn't it? Out, out. And it's just a perfect piece. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's very good. It's so relatable. It's so layered. It's so observed. It gets um, quoted so much now as well. Like someone says about going out and immediately yeah. there'll be like 40 people jumping on the comments going, what, out, out? Like everyone, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they thought of it. <laughs> yeah. I always loved his uh, PP bit as well. When the PP becomes a PP. Have you not seen that? Uh, Say the bit again. Uh, when the PP becomes the PP. And he's oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Out from Sorry, the curtain. yeah 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 it's incredible and like again that is relatable like especially in my sort of I live in a cul-de-sac and uh, <laughs> like sometimes I'll be looking out the window there's a guy who he uh, uh, he told me that he because I, I had to ask him what he was doing because he told me that he comes to look after a neighbor's cat and then because he just follows the cat around and like. <laughs> Because it's a communal garden, he's always just in my garden, like walking around, just following this cat. And I said to him one day, like, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, yeah, um, Catherine asked me to come and look after a cat. And I was like, 
but did she tell you to follow it and like document his every move? <laughs> and he's just, he's a really weird dude. And like, I often look out in my garden, he's just there, just sort of wandering around. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> Very bizarre. He's strange. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he, he's, he's in the sitcom. <laughs> in his, uh... Yeah. And that's a nice story as well. Yeah. That's actually the part it's... that I want to play in the sitcom as well. Uh, but it's plenty of callbacks as that as well. So just have them in the background two yeah, or three times. Absolutely, yeah. Because uh, there's also there's a woman uh, that lives. So these are cluster houses, and uh, there's a house on the back of Catherine's house. Uh, the woman there, she's got about seven cats. So and yeah, it's great. There's a, there's a really nice sort of variety of people because on the opposite corner to my cluster, there's two guys that live there, and for ages. Like I met one of the guys and he had a dog and he let the dog shit all over the car park and uh, like the guy I tried to say hello to him and he was really rude and I was like God that guy is so rude and my wife was like Who's that and I was like Oh the guy with the dog around there and she's like No he's really really nice I met him the other day he's a lovely guy he's got a cat like what are you talking about so we were convinced that there was this guy like who had he was just really nice to her and uh, horrible to me because they got like the, you know they're both sort of about five foot nine five foot ten brown yeah. hair like medium build that's that's the description of them uh but that's the description of both of them and it turns out there's two people one's an arsehole with a dog one's a lovely guy with a cat <laughs> right fair enough so uh we called him uh jekyll and hyde and uh yeah, yeah they're, nice they're in a, a nice idea if he was the same person and yeah he's only nasty to you but nice to her yeah 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 that is just we just assumed that's what it was for ages like he fancied mm. her and it was nice to her and it's like oh who are you competition more than yeah. likely yeah yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So, I mean, I've not written that episode yet, but the idea is there. So, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe there yeah. will be one person, yeah. Nice yeah. idea. I like it. Oh, well, that's what I was saying anyway. Like, Russell Kane, he, obviously, like, he got, he gets a lot of stick from people being like, oh, yeah, he's just this guy. And, like, he's, I was just trying to act cool all the time, like, lying about his age. And, like, that, his agents did that. That's what a lot of people don't realise. His agents said to him, no, you should look this way and be sort of, androgynous as it were and like be this age and wear these clothes and he's like oh, all right and then he got you know like various bits of tv and was successful off of that but then he's happier now that he's doing his own thing and absolutely smashing it is incredible so he's he's always been brilliant russell yeah it, i remember him getting a bit of stick for that and it wasn't really fair it was more you know professional jealousy and people just you know you know what comics are like with very bitter people if you know if one person gets success that you don't like then he's just write them off and it's so stupid but yeah. Russ has always been absolutely brilliant and you're right I've, well I don't know but I would strongly suspect it was his agents because I know his agents was at the time yeah um and they, they, they all seem to think they know what they're doing yeah I think I think most agents seem to think they know what they're doing but they're not the ones that are on the stage no, so absolutely that's if it you're, they, not, you're doing that much get on the stage they see some level of success and they go oh well I know how this works yeah, everyone, yeah. Everyone's everyone's knows how it works it's the thing you, you could ask the top cheese at all the top agencies and they went they don't have a formula yeah. it's just majority of it's people who work hard with a small amount of luck isn't it that's it yeah they just they throw a lot of shit at the wall and some some of it sticks and they assume they know what sticks and but yeah, uh, yeah. pretty much yeah I mean I I haven't had an agent now probably about seven years you know my first agent was the best one I'd ever had but at the time it was you know when you come in and you're all cocksure and yeah yeah you know I got quite a lot of attention when I first started and she got me in an audition for eight out of ten cats like within I don't know within a year of doing it and I was awful in audition absolutely yeah. terrible and rightly so I didn't get it but then I couldn't understand why she couldn't get me an audition on all the other shows right yeah you know, she was just sending me for um like castings for adverts. I didn't want to do castings for adverts. So you get all a little bit up in your own 
in your own ego went, oh, I need to move agents. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I couldn't get another one for ages, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, that's a lesson to be learned. Yeah. And then I, I've just found that over the years, I've had two or three different agents since, since then. And unless you've got one of the big agents that have the right contacts or have the right area for you to go into they're all pretty useless anyway you know and even if you do sign one of the big guns doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get you on yeah have i got news for you or mock the week it's still there's still a lot of battling to do yeah but i've always had the mindset of you know just keep working hard and you know they can't ignore you forever yeah absolutely and again again i remember mickey flanagan saying that they can't ignore you forever yeah you know and it was he was almost famous at that point but he just yeah you know we were having a chat about how long he'd be going for he said you know if you're good they can't ignore you forever yeah oh yeah oh, good idea that's the basis i'm working on <laughs> yeah and it's you've got to take a lot of your own career into your own hands now whereas again that time sound like when I started, but you know, when I started, YouTube didn't exist. So, Correct. you know, there wasn't there wasn't a platform. Twitter didn't exist. I think Facebook had just started, maybe. So you didn't have an opportunity to create your own fan base and create your own business and create your own brand. Yeah. You know, whereas now you can. Whereas, so I'm 47 now, and my YouTube channel was a mess. You know, that's <laughs> that's the way it's it's got to be better than that. You know, it's got to be you got to be putting out content. And again, with the podcast I was doing with Joke Fight Club, that was getting quite a few listens towards the end. You know, I mean, I say quite a few, but four or 5,000. Nice. Um, but it was so much work. And if you didn't have it published at the same time every week, you know, yeah. like a TV show, like scheduling it used to be, then you'd lose followers and stuff like that. So it's, it's all about, you've got, you basically got to be your own channel yeah. in any, you know, in any form uh, of social media or platform that you're using and just got to be consistent with it and that's where i think you look at like nigel and yeah, yeah. Who, who does uncle rogers he's got a million subscribers because he's brilliant at it yeah he's brilliant at it and he's also brilliant at uh, putting them out the right times and stuff like that you know and if you can make that work for you financially great you know well why not you don't need agents you yeah. don't need tv executives you don't need gatekeepers yeah absolutely know? and it's but, uh, you know, I'd, uh, again, maybe this is my generation. I wouldn't consider myself successful until I was regularly on the telly. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's yeah, one of those funny. things. Do you know Jordan Gray? No. Like, she, she's, kind of, again, she's from down the road from me. Mm. And she, uh, I don't know when she started stand-up. It wasn't that long ago, like some maybe four or five years ago. And she came, she was originally on The Voice, right? But then, like, she she writes sort of musical comedy, but she had a, a a mini series commissioned by Comedy Central, which came out as like shorts, and was incredible. But she she doesn't have a uh, like any representation, does it all herself? Uh, cool. What was her name again? Sorry, Jordan Gray. Jordan and Gray is the colour. Gray with an A. Okay, yeah, just have a quick look. I don't know who she is. Oh yeah, I sort of recognise her now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's, you'll probably have seen her face about. Like, she does a lot of Ross's gigs. and Right. Yeah, but she's great. Very, very good. And she's actually yeah. looking to record a, like, obviously, when we're allowed to, she's looking to record a special. Like, we were briefly talking about it at a gig. We did a gig on the last day that we were allowed last year. And, yeah. like, Russ, Ross just squeezed us on, and he was trying to run two gigs, and then he sort of combined it all to one, and he was like, right, you're all on. <laughs> so come down, so, like, all the local <laughs> guys. Because um, Paul Peary doesn't live far away, so he came down. And then there was, yeah, me, Matt, John Oakes, Ross was on, obviously, and, and Jordan. And uh, do you know Ross Bishop? He does Kasabian. Yeah. No, he's not done a lot of gigs, but uh, he's, he's very good. He does a 
character for Lothario. Right. I can't. I mean, it's good to hear with these names because I've been out of the loop of this because obviously we haven't been booking the comedy clubs. Yeah. So Kingston's normally every Monday night. And it's quite experimental. You know, we'll have all different types of comics on established, doing new, established, get ready for a TV show, newer acts getting their finding their feet. So it'd be lovely to hear and see all these guys again because oh, yeah. that's one thing I miss because, you know, Kingston's been going for 15 years. It started when I started. And the amount of people that have come through it and gone on, yeah. you know, and it's been like different waves of generations. So even Mickey was coming down regularly for, you know, 70 quid on a Monday night. Yeah, yeah. And then and McIntyre was was coming down every week. So he lived around the corner. So oh, he was nice. trying stuff out. And then they got mega famous. And the next generation came in, which was Russell Howard, yeah. uh, Greg Davis. That sort of, they, they came in, they went up. And then the next generation of, of Romesh and Josh, and they come in. And it, it's so nice to see these guys yeah. when I've seen them right at the very beginning. I remember Romesh is, I think it's very early on in his career i don't know how many gigs in but we did a gig for stephen grant in uh hearst pierpoint i think it was and he was one of the open spots in the middle and i was closing and i just said to him as soon as he'd finished what do you do for living instead of a teacher i said okay tomorrow go in and tell him you want to be a supply teacher because you're going to be famous in three years <laughs> and he sort of went you reckon i went well just i've seen this happen before just trust me you'll, you'll be all right oh, really? and um it, it it wasn't long, you know, two to three years later, he was on the telly. Yeah. He did Live at the Apollo quite early on, you know, and everyone, hardly anybody in the industry had heard of him. And I went, no, no, he's, he's fucking brilliant. And he, that came from, I think, him doing a gig supporting one of Curb's biggest acts in a warm-up gig. And the Anthony Cavanagh, the producer for Live at the Apollo, was there and went, right, you're in. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so it's all those sort of things that you need to you need to look out for. You know, you never know what's around the corner yeah. in this industry. And that's that's the thing as well. I've always been, I've never sort of counted my chickens. And even when I recorded Mock the Week, we recorded it on Tuesday, doesn't go out to Thursday. I didn't mention anything about it until I knew it was going on the telly. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those, again, it's until it's been published and it's out there, just assume it hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, all of your lines may have been cut. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. My missus has got an iPhone, but suddenly it's it's gone to green. You know when you oh. send a text? Yeah. What do you reckon that is in? I've no idea. Yeah, maybe it's just not online. Maybe it's just 3G, maybe? I don't know. Oh, what, what is it, like iMessage? Yeah, she's just got, literally got a brand new iPhone two or three days ago. Oh. But it just went green this morning. I think she might just not turn off her Wi-Fi. I don't know. Sorry, that's yeah. neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> don't need to include that in the podcast. Yes, well, I'll leave it in. It'll, uh, that's that's, that's <laughs> the sort of gold that people lap up. <laughs> uh, right, where were we? Uh, we talked about Romesh being discovered, live at Apollo. Yeah, um, yeah so people just, come uh, through. Basically, oh, that's, that's what I'm saying. You never know what's around the corner. Yeah. And, it's, and also, when I did do that episode of Mock the Week, it is amazing how people get in touch with you afterwards. So, like, yeah. I, I very rarely do corporates. I do maybe three or four a year for the simple reason I can't stand doing them I hate doing them I don't like taking the money for just being ignored it's yeah. you know and it, I've only ever I mean I must have done I don't know maybe 40 50 corporates in my life and I've only enjoyed one of them so it, they're always a bit of an ass but come Christmas time uh, we've just gone back into lockdown December 2022 uh, December 2020 sorry so basically it meant November December and January all the live gigs had gone straight away so basically all that money that I was going to bring in to pay for my tax bill had gone yeah. completely. So I had no choice but to do these corporates. And because they were over Zoom, it wasn't anywhere near as painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I ended up doing like seven or eight corporates in December. Nice. Uh, which I would have never have had if I hadn't been in the right place at the right time, done the right amount of work, and got the opportunity on Mock the Week and done well on that opportunity. Yeah. So the, the knock-on effect from that oh, that's is cool. quite... 
it, it comes, I mean, it's still coming in. So uh, this week I got an email from Sheffield University saying they're doing a study on how people react to political behaviour and can I write them 16 minutes worth of little clips, okay. um, you know, for a nice enough fee, you know, yeah. because because we saw you on Mock the Week. So oh, that's cool. all those opportunities just come. It's, it's just a bit weird, you know. I still find, I mean, Romish must... His phone must be constantly going off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, you do constantly get asked to do stuff as well, which is nice. And even charities. I mean, I, again, I don't really do many podcasts, but you're, this is going to be the fourth podcast I've done in two days. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, you know, before that, it never really happened. So yeah. you just got to accept that your luck and fortune is, is helping push you on and getting people to hear a bit more about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was planning to get you on anyway. So. Yeah, no, I'm sure you were. I wasn't <laughs> saying you weren't, but you've spoke to you loads of times before, so it's, it's yeah. nice that it can finally happen. Yes. Yeah, nice. There's uh, Yeah, you were saying about people sort of doing stuff without agents as well. And obviously Bobby Mayer, like he didn't have an agent for a long time and like he was just representing himself and he got on TV before any sort of interest and then got more and more TV and now he's doing all sorts of stuff. And mm. Yeah. Very, very great flavour of comedy as well, isn't he? Yeah, Bobby. I love so, Bobby. So unique. And again, he's another one of those that, I could, I'd always come out and watch. Yeah. You know, even if you're on the same bill, sometimes, even if it's stuff I've heard before, I just think the way he does it is so, so rhythmical and it's um, believable. You know, it's about that when he, you sort of go into his world and he brings you to sit forward or sucks you in a little bit. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's a rare gift to find in, in anybody, let alone stand ups. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, because I, I had uh, I had an opportunity last year. Do you know Graham Wilkes down in. Uh... I know. Again, I know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I. Uh, I was on holiday in Cornwall a few years ago and it was my sister's ex-fiance. So I've got a half-sister that lives in Cornwall. So like, I go down there as an excuse to go to Cornwall. And yeah, my sister's ex, who was her ex at that time actually, was doing his first open spot. And uh, like he said to me, like, oh, what are, you, what are you doing? He's asking me for advice and that. And I said, oh, like, where is it? I'll, I'll come down. And it was only sort of half hour down the road from where I went. And I went down and he was awful. Absolutely died on his ass. <laughs> and, but I said, you know, like, oh, if I'm popping down to watch, like, I'll, I'll see if I can get on. Uh, so I did and I smashed it. So <laughs> and, uh, nice. Uh, as a result, Graham immediately, like, I've got him on my email signature, like, gave me a quote saying, something very complimentary and uh, he was like oh yeah anytime you want a gig like let me know and I'll book you and sort of uh, put your name out there and oh thanks very much man yeah so I, I, he booked me for a preview of the double header with Bobby and uh, right. and he was like oh can you drive Bobby down I was like yes I can yeah I will do that absolutely so uh, yeah we just jumped in the car drove down and we ended up we were offered a place to stay and then we realized that we didn't want to stay in that place so we just drove back again uh, right. So we spent about fifteen hours in the car together. I just had a great time. Just had a really, really nice time, like hanging out. Yeah, it can and be. then, yeah. um, like he he said a couple of things to me after my preview that made me think, I, I think I can do this. <laughs> I, think, I think I think I might be funny. And obviously, like he killed it as well. So yeah, we both had a good gig, and that was nice. Very nice yeah, indeed. Nice. And that's important as well, though. I think that's that's something that we don't do as much as we used to in terms of helping each other out, comedians-wise. It used to, you know, I used to love being backstage at Comedia in Brighton, and it would be three or four people that you get on really well with, and yeah. you know, because you're there for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and sometimes Sunday, and you stay in the hotels, and you know, you go out for lunch with each other. I really miss that part of it. Yeah. And but then it used to be giving each other callbacks or how about this extra yeah, yeah, line? Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? And that doesn't really happen so much anymore. It seems to be very much. I'm not helping you, you didn't help me, you know, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I, spent, I mean, I came from a coaching background. Before I went into comedy, I was in professional football as a coach. So I always had that nurturing 
side of me, I think, and wanted to help everybody else. Again, the same with when I saw Romesh. It's like, uh, how can I help you become where you want to get to? Because yeah. you're, you're going to get there, but how can I be of assistance to it? Yeah. You know, and it's that doesn't seem to happen anymore. There's there's a few, like Smashy was like that. Smashy was brilliant with me, you know, and it's, and I've like, cause again, I've tried to help anybody that's come through. And what's really nice is when you do that, is when they get famous, these guys still remember you. Yeah. You absolutely. know, and they, they come and do Kingston, they'll come and do New Malden. Yeah. And like Russell has Russ open for him on tour. So, like, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. You, you helped me in the early days. So come and support me on tour. And yeah, it's great. Well done. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's, and what I've also found is if you don't ask, you don't get. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Show business is very much, I sound like Swiss Tony then, but it's very much, you've got to take your opportunities and you've got to be brave. So I, I was in Lead Balloon, which is a, a sitcom written by Jack D. And that came purely for me asking Jack, can you put me in it? Oh, really? Because we're, we're on the set of Shooting Stars, because I used to do the warm up and write for Shooting Stars. Lovely. And Jack, during the day, we sort of, not we'll kind of rehearse it a little bit, but Jack would be sat there and I'd fill in for one of the guests and Vic and Bob would do their bit. But the, you know, there's downtime, so Vic and Bob would go off and do a little bit. And I just turned to Jack and said, Are you writing a new series? Yes, in charge you put me in it. He went, Yeah, probably. Yeah, you know, I thought nothing of it. Six months later down the road, uh, in fact, I was on holiday somewhere, I can't remember where I was now, but I was on holiday. Turned my phone on for that hour and Jack phoned him. Fucking hell. And he went, eh, Can you come and do next Tuesday? Uh, you're a TV repairman. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, if you like. You know, so again, if you don't ask, you're not going to get these opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Not everybody knows what you're thinking. Yeah. You know? And that's another thing that's, you know, when I was working on Loose Women, I kept on sort of trying to angle, any chance I could be on it somehow. You yeah. Know? But because of the outright say, by the way, you do not want to be on the telly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is as simple as that. You know, sometimes you can't angle it and sometimes you've got to be a pain up the arse to be a nuisance. Yeah, but again, it. again, it was Andrew McLean, who was one of the, uh, McLean, McLean, I always get told off for saying it. Wrong. <laughs> she was one of the, the presenters on it and she said just go and tell them you want to be on the telly like like that say i, I want to be on the telly how can you help me yeah all right and i didn't do that but i regret why not doing it because some of those producers might go on to work on shows that you want to be on you know or they, they might think you're right for a show they're creating yeah. so it's unfortunately networking is quite a big part of it and i fucking hate the networking i really hate that going into the bars in edinburgh and yeah because nobody's no no business gets done in a bar in Edinburgh, but no. you've got to be seen to be talking to people in in the bars in Edinburgh. Absolutely. Well, that, I mean, I, I missed my last back to my flat in Edinburgh when I was last there. I can't remember when it was three years ago. Yeah. And it was like it was quite late at night, and I knew I had to go and get my last bus. And then Jim Owen came in and asked me if I wanted a drink, and I was like, "Well, I guess I'm staying out then." <laughs> it was just <laughs> yeah. hanging out with Jim Owen. He's a lovely guy. Yeah, I don't really know Jim Owen. I've met him once, but I knew of him before I'd seen him perform because he's he's very famous in Australia. My yes. brother is in Australia. So my brother gave him a gave me one of his DVDs, I think it was years and years ago. And remember thinking he's fucking brilliant. Yeah. You know, he was observational but beyond its time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never really happened for him over here. He does well at the festival, but it's just yeah. I think there's no point in him staying here, you know, if yeah. you can't he's done a few bits on the telly, but you can feel arenas, I think, in Australia. So what's the point? Wow. Yeah. I mean the T V stuff that he does over here, like like his physicality, I think has been an influence on me as well, of some of the stuff that he does because like very early on Tom Ward said to me that I've got the most expressive eyes in the business. And I was like, oh interesting. He said, Yeah, I bet you could do sort of 
at the top of an hour, I bet you could do five to ten minutes without saying anything and just doing it with your eyes. And I was like, interesting. I've never done it because I think that would die on its ass. But it was, a, it was an interesting concept to me. And then I saw yeah. Jim Owen doing like his eyebrow bit, for instance, of the sort of, I, I can't remember what it is now. It's like he says different things with his eyebrows in different positions. Yeah. And then in, also his funniest part of the stage bit is absolutely incredible. And it's just about that sort of the timing and trusting that when you get to a point, it will be funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I absolutely love it. And I saw Paul Foot on the uh, Alternative Comedy Experience as well, did that similar thing where he just walked out and he went to say something and he, he spent about 30 seconds just going... And just that sort of look of surprise on his face just got building laughs. And uh, yeah, yeah. and it's amazing. And as it happens, the first time I did the Edinburgh Stand where that was filmed, a very similar thing happened because quite often I walk out on stage and depending on the crowd, I'll just sort of, I'll, I'll give them a sl- slightly surprised look and sort of raise the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, when I did that at the Edinburgh Stand, I got rolling laughter for about 30 or 40 seconds. And it was <laughs> one of the most magical moments I've ever had on stage. That's great. That's great to hear. It can be. It's, it's the audiences want to see confidence. They want to trust. Yeah. They basically just want to trust you that you know what you're doing. So if you're comfortable with silence, that's a huge, huge barrier broken down already. Yeah. You know. And again, I learned that from Adam Bloom. He just sort of said, you know, what you're rushing for. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. 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 Of course. You know. And I also did. I didn't do many junglers, but I did do a few. And towards the end, junglers were horrendous and dying anyway. And so me and Bloom were doing Battersea Junglers and there was only about 25 people in there. And this is a big room, could hold two to three hundred. Yeah. And it was just a mess. The gig was a mess from start to finish. It just wasn't playable. And Bloom just took the microphone away. Really? Just put it in the put it in the stand, put it over there. We just started talking to him like that. And all of a sudden the energy changed the room where they had to go, oh, we've got to listen because we can't hear him now. So they all just sort of turned around and listened to him a bit, and then he went down into the into the audience, yeah. off the stage, completely commanded their attention from literally within the first thirty seconds by completely changing the settings and doing it his way. And it was a real masterclass to watch, to be honest with you. And I've done it. I've, I've done something similar to that. You know, it was a terrible gig in yeah. uh, Watford, and it was the same principle, but instead of trying to rush out and trying to make them laugh and trying to get their attention. I took the time, took the mic, found out the mic stand, and I let, literally just sat on the edge of the stage just looking at them, you know, just waiting for, you know, for about a minute, you know, just looking. And some people were getting it, some people weren't, and eventually I'd go, the rest will join in a minute. You know, it was a complete <laughs> risk on yeah, my behalf. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know if it was going to work, but I'd seen Bloom do something similar, so I'll have a go. And yeah. lo and behold, it worked. Nice. You know, and then I had a nice 15 minutes and, you know, called it a day at 15. Yeah. I'd say it was a way draw, you know, because it was – Almost unplayable, but I just thought I'm here for the next twenty minutes. I'll do that anyway. Yeah, like he he said something to me. It was I don't know. It was a few years ago, but uh, again, like he gave me some confidence in what he said to do like a similar sort of thing. And you know, again, like coming out on stage and raising my eyebrows. He said to me like, so I think I've only I've like been in a car show with him a few times, but I think he's only seen me gig once. And but he's remembered me ever since. And he said. Oh yeah, I'll never forget. Like watching you, I, I thought you were gonna absolutely die on your ass. He said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He said you came out and like you just it looked like you had no confidence whatsoever, and yeah. and then uh, ripped it apart. And I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. Like that's the, yeah, the, yeah. the greatest compliment that I could hope for because he's an absolute master of the art, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah just, just him saying, I thought you were gonna die on your ass, but oh, you really turned it around. I was like, oh. 
Fuck. Again, that's that's because the audience are judging you straight away. Yeah. So as soon as they see you, you go, oh my god, and not necessarily you, but I'm just yeah. saying in general, people will go, oh my god, we don't know what he's doing. Andy Askins, who's phenomenal. Yeah. And again, I've done loads of military gigs with him. There can be hard work, you know. And he did it to 300 Marines. You know, and as soon as he came out, they started having a go at him. But you know, because he knows his character. Yeah. He, he controlled it by joining in with them. You know. He has a bit where he gets, I don't know, like six minutes in, he goes, never got this far before. <laughs> you know, to play along with the character of it. And it just, again, it sucked them all in, by the way. He wasn't thrown by them and he totally believed in himself and he was so confident in, in what he had up his sleeve. You know, that's that's the difference. And you know, as much as I do now, when you see somebody's brand new, you can see so many mistakes that are yeah, being yeah, made. Yeah. And it's so obvious to you once you've done it. But yeah. when, you, when you're when you there, you, you don't know what you're doing at all. It yeah. probably took me 10 years to get comfortable. Yeah. You know, I was, I was writing so much new stuff every week. I wasn't developing it. It was just for that week for Kingston and that was it. And it's not until you, you know, still not 100% sure, I've found the voice totally. You know, it's still work in development. It's still, I know what I would say on stage now as opposed to what I didn't know three or four years ago. Yeah. I didn't know where my limits would be. I didn't know what my beliefs were, you know, whereas now it seems to be I would. I'm happy saying that. Because of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's a certain joke that I do, which has never, ever had any negative feedback, but it's open to it because as soon as you use a certain phrase, people's ears get pricked up and they think you're being derogatory and it's not. It's actually being pro-trans. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where people are going to go, huh, are you allowed to do that? You go, <laughs> go back into it. If you listen to it, it's actually pro. It's yeah, just yeah. a good thing. I'm, I'm saying how great this is. Yeah. You know, but it's open to people having a go at me for it because of the of the subject matter. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the difference now in, in me as a comedian to what I was three or four years ago. Is it now I'm thinking about the other side of it more as opposed to just this is funny, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I'm now thinking more, and it's not necessarily because the woke generation have come up. It's more to do with what what I'm like as a comedian now. You know, thinking about how these people are gonna, what I'm saying, they're gonna remember it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you know it's just a throwaway quick joke, they're gonna remember everything you've said if they're offended by it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you just have to be, and don't stop offending people. Fucking ask what comedy is all about. Yeah. But it's got to be from your beliefs as opposed to just saying it because you read it. Yeah, absolutely. In private eye of the sun, wherever you're getting your information from, you know? Yeah, that's a, I mean, obviously, you know, a contentious character, but Andrew Lawrence is mm. extremely funny. Like, he's mm. ridiculous. I, I, well, I, I gigged with him last at one of your gigs in Kingston. Right. And yeah, yeah. Like, he was phenomenal. And I remember seeing him years ago before uh, <laughs> any sort of uh, contentious stuff at Ross uh, at Little Smash's uh, night, actually. And it was the first time I'd seen him, and he was absolutely amazing. And then, yeah, like some some stuff happened. But then he sort of, he just lives into his character with such intent that you just, you know, it's hard to be offended by it unless you want to be offended by it. Obviously, what he said in regards to the, uh, you, you'll have to look, look that up, listeners, if you don't know what it was. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but see, Andrew Lawrence has always been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he, I mean, he's, again, he's, he's changed his character and his voice. So when he first started, he was a real long-haired weirdo that stare at you and play guitar and some of those dirtiest down well, I don't really know think of the words but they were, it was very dark very dark yeah. songs about killing his girlfriend's parents and stuff like that which doesn't sound funny now but they were <laughs> hilarious and then when he he won he got nominated for the Perry and didn't get it and then so he went right I'm not doing it anymore and he threw that away and just started becoming a stand-up wow 
Um, and he went through three or four different transitions to find out where he wanted to get to. And it was, you know, he did, but he put something quite contentious on Facebook and I'm not defending him or agreeing with him. I think it was taken in the wrong way, but I think there was too much in there for it to be a casual mishap. Yeah. But again, I've always supported him. He's always been to Kingston. He's always been invited down whenever he wants to. And he, his parents live in Kingston, so he'll phone me up on Monday afternoon, say, you got your room? So yeah, of course, because he hasn't, hasn't done anything terribly bad. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just hold some sort of off opinions but then a lot of people do who are incredibly funny and it's uh... yeah but see if you look at now if you look at twitter now and certain comedians who we thought we knew as fairly decent people yeah have just become fucking super weirdos oh yeah especially during during this time during covid you know some people that need to get their voice found just think where the hell have you come from i have just watched some people completely unravel during (laughs) During the past yeah. year, like completely. Well, again, I was texting Sean uh, Walsh a fair bit, and he was because we get sort of started at the same time, so he was sort of my year of comedy. And so we gigged together just before lockdown was about to happen again, but we didn't know lockdown was coming. Right. But we, so one of those sort of it might happen. And we were saying what's interesting during that period is when comedians start arguing with each other, but they do it in public. Yeah, I said, and I sort of went, I don't know what you mean. He said, watch. This person, this person, this person. So guarantee you in two weeks, they've started a row. Went, all right, okay. And all of a sudden, I started noticing more and more of it, and more and more of it, and more and more of it. And it just it just escalates because they're, they're bored. They've got nothing to do. Yeah, yeah. And they've got, because they're not thinking outside, literally outside the box of, yeah, we can't be on stage. So you've, you've literally got to think of another way of doing it. So if it's just little videos or Zoom gigs or, you know, Instagram videos, they're not doing that. So they're bored. Yeah. So, their only way they're getting their entertainment is to try and start a fight on another comedian in public. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what are you going to gain from this? Uh, you know, because it's not like you're going to get a lot of followers. No. And if you are, it's going to be the wrong kind of followers. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if anything, they'll lose followers. Exactly. On the whole. Exactly know? that. Yeah. Or work. You know, yeah. I know, I know uh, a couple of comedians. I'm not going to name them, <laughs> but I know two comedians that I, that have said nobody's booking anymore. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Do you remember you that know, thing that you did? Yeah, it's that. <laughs> yeah, and it's it is that. It's because your opinion is your opinion, which is fine, and you're entitled to have it. But instead of just telling people your opinion, you don't have to go and tell everyone else they're wrong. Yeah, yeah, and it's that's funny. it's cost it's cost two comedians I know their livelihood for yeah. sure. Def, definitely one of them used to do used to make his living out of corporates, oh, and really? now they've turned their back on him, and he was he making a good good living. You know, 150k a year, I reckon, out of corporates. Wow, and gone overnight because of don't get me wrong i'm a very big fan of free speech yeah but when free speech comes into bullying you know that's where you're going wrong yeah i was talking about this on a, an episode of, uh, two episodes ago about sort of how everyone was kicking off about donald trump being sort of kicked off of social media that's that's what we were talking about at the time and like people are saying oh but you know it's free speech he should be allowed to say it and the the th- thing that I always like to go back to, the quote that I like to use, is that I agree that you have every right to say whatever you want, but you don't have the right to make us listen. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, and that's, very, that's a good quote. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we have the right to cancel you <laughs> and sort of de-platform well, you. Yes and no. I don't, I don't agree with cancel culture either. I don't think that's the right thing to do. You know, and it's... And again, it's, this is a problem as well. As soon as you go, oh, I think they did okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. Then you become labellers in one side or the other. Now, that's not the point I'm making. What the point I'm making, if somebody does something wrong that isn't horrendously wrong, it's just yeah. a bit wrong, you know, and made a mistake, they've held their hands up, they've apologised for the mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They shouldn't be cancelled completely. No, absolutely. Yeah, people have the right 
to what's the word I'm looking for? You know, like for to well, people have the right to forgiveness. Yeah, if they yeah yeah, and it's it's that's the thing. But you know, if if something's that bad, then like you know, there's a there's a threshold. Once you've crossed that threshold, like you've gone too far. Uh, yeah. You know, there's various comedians in the past who <laughs> uh, I won't name, but I'm sure you're aware of who have uh, who've done criminal things, and uh, yeah. and they won't come back from that, and they don't deserve to. Yeah, no, don't disagree with that. You know, but then you're looking at what's the uh, Weinstein? I mean, of course, he's never coming back. Cancel the cunt for life, of course. Absolutely, yeah. But you know. I just question it, but it's, it's just. I think it. What happens is, I think it makes uh, it makes us be less braver than we want to be. Yeah, I think because but, of where I've seen a couple of examples I just mentioned where they were brave and said what they want to believe. You're not getting any work anymore. Yeah. So you've got to find your own line. I think of what you're prepared to say and lose. Yeah. At the same time, but it's it's like what you were saying before. Is you know some people are just saying stuff to be heard. Uh, yeah. But like you were saying you sort of you, you learned from that just saying things for the sake of being funny and started considering what they mean and that's what a lot of people who like they've always been sort of considered but then so they've not had that moment of sort of realization of stop being a dick and they've just gone well I'm going to be a dick and they don't know how to do it <laughs> they're, they're not yeah. good enough at being dickheads <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, themselves. yeah yeah and it's a shame because like I say two or three uh, comics who I know have gone a bit mental were brilliant yeah brilliant stand-ups you know not hugely ambitious but were brilliant at 20 minute stand-ups and were always reliable yes yeah but now you know now as a as somebody who runs a gig I wouldn't book them because I don't know what they're going to say absolutely yeah I don't I don't want and I'm again it's, it's it's nothing to do with stopping them from saying what they want to say it's all free speech I don't want people of my audience to be uncomfortable yeah because of this bloke's beliefs. Yeah, yeah. They they and might that, they might start to mistrust you as a booker. Yeah, and that's not that's not nothing new. That's the same principle when I first started, I wouldn't have booked Bernard Mangan. Yeah. You know, so it's it's the same principle of that. It's not necessarily what they're saying now or freedom of speech. It's it's the style of comedy or humour that you wanna put across. Yeah. But there's that comedy unleashed. Which I've only just really been made aware of, really. But it's—I didn't know what it was. I just thought it was another night that was at the backyard. But it's basically where you can go and say whatever you want to say. You can—you can do whatever you want to do. If you want to be racist, you can be racist. You think who's going to that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I understand the principle. I understand it's like, yeah, yeah, well done. Fight the power, fight the man. But who's sitting in an audience going? When's the racist stuff going to start? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane, isn't it? Because there's uh, what what was it that happened the other day? There was something. That's what it was. I, and I stand by it, there was someone making like very, very blatantly racist comments. I reported them on Facebook because, you know, it's a, it's a dickhead thing to do. And yeah. like, you, you're of no consequence, to be honest. They've got, you know, 12 friends and sharing right wing stuff. And well, it was basically someone was accusing a Chinese person of, uh, you know, doing loads of horrendous stuff and being to blame for uh, COVID. And it was like, it was, it was horrible to see. So I reported that one comment yeah. and then Facebook said, uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. So I did a status about it. And then someone come up saying all snitches uh, assholes, and they started kicking off at me. I've known this guy for 15, 15 to 16 years. And he, he left some horrible stuff and he was telling me that I should burn and all sorts. And I was like, that's a bit much really. Like why, 
why are you defending the racists? I appreciate what you're saying, you know, like, but I'm not, I'm not going to go out and say, oh, that person said something ever so slightly off colour. <laughs> like, I'm not going to go and report them because I probably know where that comment's coming from or whatever. But when someone's mm. being outwardly racist, I think it's okay to say, oh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> and, yeah, so do I. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, again, it's sometimes people do it for the attention, don't they? Yeah. That's, I think you've got to find the line between, do you really mean this or are you, you just bored? Yeah. You just want, you want to. F- you want to fight or you want attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, I personally I've got I can't be asked with a lot of it, to be honest with you. Yes. But that's just me. Me either. Mate, I'm gonna to have to wrap up. Yes, I'm afraid, no, fair enough. All right. I'm just gonna ask you a couple of emergency questions. Not emergency. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not Go for it. Richard Heron. Tea emergency questions is what they're called. <laughs> First of all, what tea are we drinking? It's Barry's tea because I'm at the moment I'm living in Ireland, so oh, my yeah. girlfriend's Irish, so I spend half my time in Ireland, half time in the UK. And so when Mop the Week finished recording, I came back here, which was February, uh, beginning of February. And Barry's tea is the best tea I've ever had, by the way. Oh. You know, and I was. It took me a while to get converted. To Yorkshire tea I was a Tetley man for a long time yeah and then I went to Yorkshire tea and yeah okay it's pretty good and this Barry's tea is phenomenal and now, and now every time I go back to the UK I take some with me oh interesting mm. right on in that case at some point if you and I are going to be gigging together in person at, at any point I have got a tea called Smuggler's Brew which is uh, like from the West Country and right. that is I had to get like a my wife bought me a massive bag of it because I was talking about it so much. I was like, I can't get it anywhere around here. Like, they just don't sell it. So I've got a massive bag of Smuggler's Brew. I'll bring you some and then uh, you bring me some berries and we'll swap over because I always tend to describe Smuggler's Brew as like Yorkshire gold, but nicer. (laughs) So yeah, there's people that sort of swear by Yorkshire gold saying, oh, it's the best tea. And I'm like, yeah, you need to try this because it's that little step up. So, yeah, I'll be intrigued to try Barry's. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, good. it's good stuff. Nice. I'll write that down as well. <laughs> I won't forget. Now, on the matter of... Oh, do you, do you dunk a biscuit? Uh, I don't... Yes, I do. I wouldn't make a habit of it, oh, Okay. to be honest with you. What, yeah, what would I, be I, your I, biscuit? The reason being is because you can just smash biscuit into... Bi- yeah. You can do seven biscuits without even thinking about it if you put it in the, in the tea. But it's, it'll be a chocolate hobnob for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Well, that is pretty much the standard answer. Uh, there's been a couple of variants, but it's largely chocolate hobnobs. And that is the correct answer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Right. Now, here are a couple that aren't necessarily uh, tea-related, and by which I mean they're not at all tea-related. <laughs> what insect freaks you out the most, and is it because it has so many legs? Well, see, my first thought was snake, but snakes aren't an insect, are they? No. But I would... There's not really many insects. I mean, I wouldn't want to be seeing a massive tarantula or anything like that yeah because again when you grow up tarantulas were poisonous but i'm sure they're not yeah i think they are actually but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what the uh, snake equivalent would be in a insect and this is this is why i ask if it's because it has so many legs it's millipedes yeah yeah millipedes fine that doesn't bother me in the slightest really yeah oh, they, no, no, just... their legs the movement of the legs scares the bejesus out of me <laughs> it doesn't bother me i've seen quite a few big spiders with my brother live in australia Have you? It, yeah you know it's yeah, that's quite a sight to behold. I don't like those. Yeah, fair enough. Right, I, I think I'll finish with this one. This one came up in the last episode with Paul Savage because he was saying, he was talking about, I can't remember what it was re- in relation to, but he was talking about someone who got famous from dancing with a dog. Now, if you, uh, this is a two-part question, if you had to dance with any animal, what would it be? It would be my dog, yeah. It would be a dog. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. What sort of dog is that? Well, do you know, I literally don't know. It's um, <laughs> it, it's 
jumped out the back of a car apparently and it was running around the estate and we sort of found it running feral sort of thing and then uh, Sinead McGovern did some tracking and found out who the owners were and apparently the owners were taking it to somewhere to be donated to a home oh I think that's bullshit. I think they just opened the boot yeah, to fuck off. Yeah, get rid of it. So, but it's a little, it looks like a corgi, but it's got a different sort of shaped head. Oh. And it's it's a mix of something. It's got two different coloured eyes as well. Oh, it's wow. It's like got blue, green and a, a brown eye. And it's great personality, but a bit mental. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but she's super fun, yeah. Yeah. And you dance with, uh, so, so it's probably little, I imagine? Yeah, she's still a corgi height. Yeah. Um, would you not find she's her a difficult? real personality. She's really difficult to train, so it would, um, be, it would literally be me holding her paws up, I think. <laughs> Just sort of swinging around in the air. That's, that's been as far as we get, yeah. yeah. Nice. Now, if you if you did have to do something with a dog, because that could have been any animal you could have chosen there. However, if, if you did have to do something with a dog as like an activity that people watch you do, that sounds weird. This is already, yeah. like, already <laughs> lined up weirdly. What, what would you do? Well, she loves running, so I think eventually we'd be able to get her to do the like the sort courses that the, you see uh, the police nice. dogs do i think she'd be able to do that otherwise it would just literally be running she's so fast yeah but she's so stupid she doesn't understand why she's running <laughs> so I've, I've, the last like couple running. of days i'm trying to get her to go for a tennis ball but she gets confused between a tennis ball and a lead so sometimes i throw the tennis ball and she still tries to bite a lead <laughs> she's just a bit stupid but she'll get there in the end it's yeah. just i think that's where she would i think it'll be something to do with speed put it that way nice Cool. Well, that is, I think that's about everything. Nice. What are your social media links for people to come and follow you, find you? It's just at Math Brown, M-A-F-F Brown without an E. And they're pretty much the same across the board. Nice. At Math Brown. Cool. Have you got anything to plug otherwise? No, Other nothing than- going on. Only our shows every Fridays and Saturdays, but that's outside the box comedy.co.uk until we get back in the real world, I suppose. It's yeah. just online gigs. Nice. And I look forward to coming and doing the real world gigs when they're back. Nice one, bud. Yeah. I'll send a picture for you now of this. Oh, well. yeah. Thanks, mate. Oh, you're taking it now. Right, Lovely. <laughs> no worries. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, really thanks it. for coming on. And uh, yeah, I'll see you on Wednesday and hopefully soon after as well. Nice one, bud. Take care. Cheers, mate. See you later. See you. Bye. And that was Matt Brown. A lovely conversation indeed. Really, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, just a good. It was, just, it was good, wasn't it? So, yeah, if you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to go over to kofi.com forward slash side eaves and donate anything from a pound up to an endless amount. But hey, if, if you've got an endless amount of money, then please do send it to me and I'll, I'll just come and work for you. Is that, is that a thing? Obviously, if you, if you can't afford it, then that's absolutely fine. Don't send anything. You don't have to. This is free. This is for you to enjoy. But if you do enjoy it and you want it to happen more regularly and more professionally then chuck us a a coin or two and that would be really really appreciated and would definitely go a long way now if you want to go and find math on social media he is just at math brown as he said at m-a-f-f-b-r-o-w-n math brown and it's also worth going and following at otb comedy which is the outside the box social media links and uh, as he said outside the box.co.uk and yeah it's it's on all sorts so go and find him go and give him a like go and follow the comedy clubs because I absolutely love that club. You know, I've done a few gigs for Math now and they're all just lovely. In fact, it's through his gig that I met Alexis Dubas, who was on the last episode, two episodes ago. And, you know, so these these clubs are important. Uh, please, if you do enjoy this podcast and you can't donate any money, absolutely fine. You don't have to. Also, you don't have to do this either. But if you can, I'd really, really appreciate it if you go and 
follow the Instagram, which is at Tea Party Pod. That is a letter T Party Pod. It is the same for Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash Tea Party Pod. It's a Facebook page. Go and give those a like, a follow, a like, a, and then like all the posts and tell me you love me and send me some messages and, and that sort of thing. And uh, go and review us on iTunes because it helps us get seen and give the posts a share on Facebook, that sort of thing. It really helps immeasurably. And I really, really appreciate it when you do that. And I love hearing from you. So thanks very much. But most importantly, enjoy yourselves. Be good to each other. Tell your friends and family that you love them. Drink a lot of tea. Not a lot of tea. Drink enough tea. Some tea. Drink a regular amount of tea. I'll see you soon. I love you. Bye.